I was working so hard in the weight room and you know every every weekend that we would go to a, um, a showcase or a workout for a coach you know I could see myself improving but yeah. those offers and everything they weren't coming in like I was wanting and uh, because you know, what are they based on first yep it wasn't until I realized you no know, maybe I need to work as hard on the ACT as I am on yes. squatting or bench pressing or whatever it is your coaches are going to want a team guy mm. versus a guy who's trying to put himself out there. Yeah. You know, a coach can see that. And I think that it's important for you to put your team first because once you get to school, it's all team, right? It's, yeah. it's 38 guys working for one goal. Hi, sports fans, and welcome to episode eight of the Coaching Life podcast. I got to say, I am especially excited about today's episode because we have a special guest on today and it is someone who is near and dear to my heart and so we're going to jump right into this episode because there is so much to talk about in relationship to the recruiting process and growing up playing in youth ball and recreation ball and travel ball and some stories that you're not going to want to miss. And so stick with us today because episode eight starts right now. Welcome back, everyone. This is Pat Martin. I'm here with my friend, Chris Stewart. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good That's to be here. Good to see you. Chris, we received a text this week, and I'm excited about it. I wanted to, wanted to read it to everybody. Let's hear it. The text reads as follows. Been attempting to implement a different frame of mind while conducting practices this week. Kids has given me fee positive feedback. You are influencing lives. Trying to coach with the attitude of making it fun through the kids' eyes. A lot more fundamental drills while accentuating the positives and minimizing pointing out the negatives of each athlete in the drill. Trying to ask a lot more questions about kids' personal lives during water breaks instead of continually harping on what I feel they need to improve on positive reinforcement you've helped me change my perspective i want to thank you for helping me find another level of teaching that i never understood never considered connecting with young athletes on a personal level treating them like family and less like a military unit you know chris and i have been talking about this this concept of a player development program for the last few episodes of the coaching life podcast and I know that there's probably a lot of people out there with, with different opinions on that concept. There's, there's people that have reached out to us and said that they're really excited about it, want to know how to get it started right away. And there's people that's on the fence, not for sure whether it work or not or, or, or how to get it started or if it, if it would ever be possible to get started. And there's people that, that don't like the idea. You know, they, they have reasons that it shouldn't work or, or couldn't work, and, and that's completely fine. You know, Chris and I, we're not trying to force feed anyone our opinions or, or make you adapt to something or adopt ideas that, that you're not comfortable with. We, we believe in the player development program. We think it would be something that would be really good for the, the kids of our communities. But if the worst thing that comes out of the Coaching Life podcast is that we're able to, to reach a coach or, or a player or a person and just give them a little piece of something that helps them become a better person or, or become a better version of who they are, mm, yeah. then I think we're, we would be happy with that. I'm confident in saying that's, that's pretty much all we can ask for and all we can hope for. And uh, we're not gonna just do that with our opinions. 
an idea right. is we're going to bring people on that uh, that have played the sports that we talk about that that have coached the sports that we talk about and have knowledge in those games and hopefully that those experiences and that knowledge other people can use as they share it with us and and we have our our first guest on the coaching life podcast today and i'm going to hand it over to you chris so that you can introduce him okay thank you pat as pat said we wanted to bring in people who are out there doing um, things that we want to talk about and one of the things that we desire to talk about here is the recruiting process and what that is like and also what it's like to play ball in college and so it is our privilege and uh, definitely my honor to be able to introduce to you my own son brock stewart and he is here with us today to talk a little bit about his own experiences through youth ball um, recreation ball travel ball the recruiting process high school ball and also now he will be a junior at alderson broadest university a division two ncaa school in west virginia hi brock hi excited to be here good yeah <laughs> we have a lot of questions for you and our goal is to have these podcasts last about 35 minutes or so we've been around that time our last episode our bonus episode was a little longer yeah but uh we're going to do our best to uh, to basically toss you the ball and let you run with it. All right. And uh, I know I have a few questions myself. But I know Pat, you're anxious. You 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 gave us a list of like ten <laughs> questions. Well, I never know what to expect or what you expect right. out of me, Coach. Yeah. So, so I, let's let's let Brock talk a little bit. What do you got for him? Well, Brock, I'll just I'll ask uh, I, selfishly. This is a question I came up with because I think it uh, it impacts directly people in my own family, but. I would like to know if you could just talk a little bit about your transition from playing baseball, say with a, a group of friends, a, a local baseball team, to transitioning to playing on a, a travel baseball team and, you know, the differences and what you had to deal with and, and, and things like that. Yeah, so um, I was lucky enough to play with about the same uh, group of kids from the time I was about seven all the way through um, high school, but it was about around 15, I was about 15 years old that um, I actually joined a true travel baseball team um, with the Midwest Marlins organization. And we, um, it was different because I was playing with a different group of people that I hadn't played with, uh, with before. Right. Um, you know, that was seven years of playing with the same group of kids. Um, and, you know, it kind of, it kind of sucked for me because part of the reason that I loved baseball and loved to play was because of that, that brotherhood and that bond uh, with all my friends. Um, but also it was a huge, huge step for me in um, getting recruited and going on to play in college. Um, it seems like it's almost essential now mm -hmm. to um, get that exposure through um, travel ball. And, um, you know, a little bit of the differences between the actual game is, um, you know, it's every weekend is a tournament setting. And so, you know, in your school season or in your league season, you might have, you have one championship versus travel baseball. You're going to have a championship every weekend and you're competing every weekend. And I think that might be um, what helps you get that exposure and helps the college coaches see your competitiveness. Because, right. you know, that's, that's one of the big things that they look for. And so um, it was hard because it felt like maybe I was – at first, it felt like maybe I was losing friends, mm. 
but now I realize you know, I wasn't. But uh, yeah, it was it was a change, but I'm glad that uh, I went into that. And um, yeah, it really helped, really helped me a lot. How hard was it to make new friends with your Midwest Marlins team? Well, going into it, you know, obviously I was nervous, but uh, once you get there, you realize that everybody there loves baseball as much as you yeah. do. And that was one of the, another huge difference is that maybe on your high school team, you might have a few guys that are just there to play. Right. And they're just there to, you know, have fun. It might not be their primary sport. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when you get to your travel organizations, it's everybody's there a hundred percent for baseball sure and you know everybody there was like how i was um for the love of the game and so you come uh, into something with a lot more in common yeah absolutely with those guys and so it's it's pretty easy you to come make that in bond. already and you've already got yeah you've already yeah. got something in common yep would you say you still have friendships with those people that you played oh, with in the yeah. yeah yeah and not only friendships but now i mean every, by the time you were on your 18u team every player on that team was a college commit mm -hmm. and so that 18u summer which was after your senior year that 18u summer was basically it was it was a, a lot less stressful because you weren't trying to you weren't exposure was unnecessary because you'd all committed to college but but a lot of those schools that those teammates committed to were schools that are actually in your yeah the gmat conference in the league that you're oh, playing wow. in now so you actually yeah. see those those old teammates yeah, as opponents cool. now yeah. so yeah and it's um it's amazing to see not even um, the teammates, but also the people you play against. There's tons and tons of times where um, mm, yeah. playing against teams from all around the Midwest area, and they're like, "Hey, you played for the Marlins," and I'm like, "Like we played these guys in what Canada or whatever it is." Um, yeah, you, you tell that story about the guy that ended up being a teammate yeah. on your college team. So though. the last game that we actually played with the um, Marlins was in what, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Yep. And uh we lost to the Windsor Selects and uh I get to school um at college that fall, my freshman year, and I walk up to the one of the first kids I met and say, Hey, we played you uh in the last game of the season. Wow. And uh yeah, he uh, was a pitcher for that team and uh he's a pretty good pitcher for us now. So And one of your That's roommates. Awesome. Glad yeah, one of my yeah. roommates, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Small world. It's really cool. And he's probably actually listening to this podcast probably, right now. Because yeah, we're, yeah. we're recording this. You know, people don't realize we're about f five episodes ahead, I think, we're, yeah. in terms of, of scheduling them and, and launching them out into the public. This is six, I think. And yeah. so by the time Brock hears his own episode, it, he's going to be in, in class for two weeks back at AB. And so so there's a good chance that, that some of those teammates are, are going to, unless he hides it from them. Thanks for the exposure, <laughs> that's bro. Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'll give him a shout out. <laughs> While we're on that, could I ask questions not on the sheet? Sure. We we talked in the last episode about how cool it was that one that one of your teammates, well, actually not one of your teammates. He was he was a senior the year you were being recruited. So you actually only got to meet him at your visit, but then later as a freshman, um, or I guess it was this past year, wasn't it? You got a chance oh, to catch freshman, a bullpen. Freshman, yeah, yeah. So yeah, one one of the the you know, four-year starter uh, pitcher at Alderson Broadus University Division 2 school small college up in the mountains of West Virginia. This dude, uh, Randy Dobnak, has gotten a chance to, as of, to, it was funny because in the last episode, we just recorded a couple days <laughs> yeah, ago, yeah. I said he may here soon get a chance to pitch for the Twins, and it wasn't 24 hours later, and by the time this episode airs, he will have either done well and remain there or we'll get sent back down. Do you, do you think we influenced that? As of today, we, our, I would say so. The Twins probably heard this and said, man, we need to check this guy out. But I, it, it, what's really cool is at, we're expecting today 
to see news of him being called up to pitch for the Minnesota Twins. So tell us who this guy is, Brock, and what it was like to, to get a chance to catch him. Yeah, uh, Randy is um, – I didn't know him as much as uh, some of his other teammates um, because, like he said, yeah, he was a senior the year before I got there. But he um, – the first time I met him, uh, I think was homecoming. He came mm -hmm. back, and um, we were just talked and talked, and he is extremely intelligent. Uh, he knows the game really well. Um, he's really smart outside of the game. But uh, then the next day, we got to... And I would say uh, that show is on the mound. Yes. Because he's not yes. a power... I mean, he was a power pitcher in college. But but right now, he's he's crafty. Mm -hmm. he, he knows how to get hitters out. Which you is can tell things, he studies the game. It's one of the things we talked about was how um, he could throw the ball by guys in Division two. To. But when he's up in uh, Major Leagues, he said... Uh, you know, you can't throw the, bot, the ball by uh, Vladdy Jr. Or, uh, right. He, he pitched against him. <laughs> yeah, um, right. But, uh, wow, I think that is a change. great point because I know there's there's a lot of coaches out there that, you know, they do things in games mm -hmm. and in practice because they know it will help the team win, but it won't necessarily help the team win at the next level. And it won't help the player right. to excel at the next level that he may be wanting to go to. So there you go, yeah. a college example of mm -hmm. not, yeah. not doing that, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he, he it helped him a lot to be uh, knowledgeable of the game because he had to change his his entire philosophy um, mm -hmm. of pitching. But uh, so I got to catch him once in a uh, indoor live at bat bullpen. Um, so you're talking about live at bats inside the cage. inside of the cage, yeah, okay. yeah. So in the winter, um, he uh, the way we do it is there's there's two cages um, of live and then there's a bullpen area and so there's and there's two catchers each cage. And so, you know, we're, we just go in and out, in and out. And so I'm sitting there waiting because I see him warming up. And I'm like just sitting there hoping and praying that yeah. I get to catch him. Because, you know, it'd be pretty cool. Um, and also, because I also didn't want to hit off of him either. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Honesty. Yeah. To, uh, so he got called in. And I go, um, same thing with every pitcher. I catch five warm-up pitches. And I go out. And I'm like, it's like, all right, what you got? And just fastball. Fastball, curveball, slider, change up, split. I'm like, dude. I'm like, man. I've only got five fingers. What, are you, what am I supposed to do? And so, uh, but yeah, he uh, he came in, and I think the first three pitches he threw about broke my thumb. Uh, uh, but I bet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he um, yeah, he's he was phenomenal. You know, he could you could tell that he stood out versus yeah. everybody else there. And um, but what stood out to me the most was that he could have very easily came in and had a hoorah with his buddies, you know, he hadn't seen in a while, but he was the first person there, and I'm pretty sure it was a 6 a.m. practice. He was the first one there doing his band work. As an alum. His, uh, as yeah, an yeah. alum. He was just a, just a good old boy coming out and having some fun, but instead he decided to be business there, and he was the first one there, uh, last person to leave, doing work the entire time, and that's what, you know, that's what it takes, mm -hmm. um, and that shows now that he's... Yeah. Um, getting a chance to play in the show. Yeah. Right. Hey, speaking of what it takes, would you, one of the questions that, that I had, and I know I've talked with my son about this in the past, and I've, I've heard other people talk about it, and I think it's kind of shocking to some people, but could you talk about your schedule as a college baseball player, you know, during baseball season and maybe how hectic that is? Yeah. Um, yeah, for, for different uh, schools or different um, – programs obviously it'll fluctuate differently and also the different time of the year but um you know college baseball is like a job mm -hmm. and it's not really 
Um, it takes a special type of person to uh, to want to endure that. And so, you know, typically you'll have a, uh, you can have a morning session, you know, anytime, 6 a.m., um, anytime before 8, usually when your classes start. You can do that. Uh, M- morning session morning of Morning session of, you know, um, well, the difference, well, one of the big differences is that you're going to have three or four practices throughout the day. Yeah. It's so not, it might be a bullpen just, in the morning or yes, it's weight not just one team practice in the evening. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it could be 6 a.m. and you have pitchers and catchers. And then if you don't have a class at 10 a.m. or 11 or whatever, you know, you've got individual work. You can go in with your coach individually, work on your hitting. Then you could have, um, you know, you got your classes, of course. Then you have an evening session. That could be your team practice. And then, you know, you got conditioning and weights. Um, and that's in one day. You know, you add that up. That's four or five hours mm-hmm. every day on top of three or four hours of class on top of an hour or two of studying. And, you know, that's, it, it builds up and, um, it's, like I said, it's a job. And so it takes, it takes a ton out of you. Sure. But what I will say is that the reward outweighs the suffering yeah. a ton. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I think that's spoken from a person that has a lot of passion for baseball. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to be there if you didn't. No. Uh, you couldn't make it that kind of because I would agree. It's you know we always tell tell kids all the time it's going to be like a job when you get to college, but it's a fun job that's for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. it's one that you that you love. Well, I think that's the you know I kind of alluded to that in my my theory that I talked about a few episodes ago where you know as we're kids we play the game because it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know what Brock just described there doesn't sound wouldn't sound fun at all to an eight, nine, ten, eleven year old. You know, right? But it's a different. By the it's time a different they, mindset. You, they've matured, and now you you love that grind mm-hmm. because you, you you're looking for the reward on the end. You know, you're yeah. It's get not it. it's not hard to go into the weight room at six a.m. when you love to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about the weight room for a second. One of the questions that, that you know you've asked Pat, and we can maybe combine this with with the question about what you're majoring in because it's it's connected for sure. So, your your major it uh, in college is what uh, exercise science um, with a focus in performance enhancement and injury prevention. Okay, so I guess we can go back. We can we can come back later and talk about how that was important in your recruiting process, but. Why is, how much strength training um, do your teammates do? Um, obviously, we know in a roster of 35 to 37 people, you're going to have some that are committed to it more than others, even in college. But um, how important is strength training as a college athlete? As far as importance goes, I would say that it is, it is essential for you to weight train and to do um, agility in some sort of, uh, you know, cardiovascular exercise, obviously. But um, there's no, not a single school in the country that doesn't have their baseball team in the weight room um, mm-hmm. just because it is absolutely essential for that type of training. Um, Pretty much not really much yeah, else you can say. I mean, that's, that's really <laughs> it. Bottom that's, line. Yeah. 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 Um, as far as high school goes, it's it's starting to, mm. to trickle in to high school more, and you see it more and more. But I think that if you want to... Let me ask you this. Was your old man right when he was, when he was preaching to, the, uh, to those high school players of, of what it's going to take to get... Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> On 6 o'clock in the morning, weightlifting days? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm lucky to, to have had that um, 
instilled into me to weight train early. And so mm-hmm. I think it's important to build that foundation. Um, like I was saying, with high schoolers, if you want to be on your baseball team, I think you absolutely have to uh, work out in the weight room. But if you want to be great on your baseball team, then mm-hmm. you have to put it on yourself to get in there and do the work. Yeah. 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 I would say that's just like any, you know, any other skill that you practice for baseball, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to, you're not going to be a top performer if the only time you swing a bat is during team sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to take that time on your own and, and, and right. develop that swing and develop anything. But yeah, weight training definitely fits into that. Yeah. Are there, are there, were there guys on uh, your, your college team that came from a high school program that didn't weight train and were kind of shocked when they realized yes. how much they were expected to? There were, and you can tell pitchers. You could tell on the first day, yeah, the pitch. <laughs> you could tell on the first day um, that you can tell who didn't. Yeah. Uh, who didn't work out and who did. Um, just because That's every easy to see. Yeah. Stick yeah. It's like very, a sore thumb. very easy to yep. see. Yeah. Mm. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Let's talk about the recruiting process. Okay. I think, I think a lot of people would be interested in that. Yeah. So. So, you know, I, I walked through this process with you, but I don't want you to answer in ways that you think I, I mean, just, just, you know, you, you take it, Brock. What, what do you think is the most important thing a player can do right now if they're listening or if their parents are listening and, and you know, and, and uh, which I, I know we have, I've got people reaching out to me already saying, you know, this is really helpful. I can't wait till the next one. And, and people are asking about the, you know, like, when are you going to talk about recruiting? So if you had a chance right now to, to know that there's a 15-year-old listening to this or a kid coming into high school or even a junior and senior in high school that's, that's trying, what's the, what would you think the most important thing a player can do right now to help themselves get recruited? First, well, first off, you know, everybody, nobody wants to hear it, but you got to have the grades because mm-hmm. the grades is what's going to get you there. Um, if I'm, I could I'm go, really I'm proud of you for saying <laughs> that first. Good job, Brock. Well, that, I say that because looking back, I realized that um, you said if I could do something different, it would be focusing on grades more. Mm. Because what um, mm. what I was going through, I was working so hard in the weight room, and you know every every weekend that we would go to a um, a showcase or a workout for a coach, you know I could see myself improving, but yeah. those offers and everything they weren't coming in like I was wanting. And uh, because you know, what are they based on first? Yep, it wasn't until I realized you know maybe I need to work as hard on the ACT as I am on yes. squatting or bench pressing or whatever it is. Um, Every point your ACT increases, your money mm-hmm. increases. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, and good, you good. know, the, those 15 year olds don't want to hear it, but it's true. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think that the main controversy with, um, again, with travel ball also um, is you have to expose yourself because you're the one getting recruited. And so, you know, I, wrote, I actually wrote down here in these notes, um, my exposure versus being a team guy. And I mm. think that in the, long, in the long run, your coaches are going to want a team guy mm. versus a guy who's trying to put himself out there. Yeah. You know, a coach can see that. And I think that it's important for, for you to put your team first because once you get to school, it's all team, right? It's, yeah. it's 38 guys working for one goal. Man, that's um, a it's great not, point it's an amazing mm-hmm. point and i i think it's cliche you know it people is, people people toss that out the window because it, it, <clears throat> you hear it all the time be a team player but i 
I, I, I'm not shocked at all that you said that. There are so many travel programs out there from a programmatic level don't have this mindset. Right. They, they will literally say, hey, you come, you come to this, this program and it's, it's all about you. Mm. We're going to get you exposure. And, and, then the, and then the kid comes onto the team and they maybe play there. And of course, if there's 16 people on the team, they're not getting to play every day. They're not getting to play all the time. And so they're upset. They're mad because why? Well, because we, you sold this to me that it's all about me. It's right. all about my exposure. And, and you don't learn how to play as a team. And really what happens then that if that kid does get recruited, which those, a lot of times those programs are, are, are helping them get recruited, but then they go to college and they're not a very good teammate mm. because they don't know how to be a, t a good teammate. They, all I know about is me, 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 look at me. When am I going to play coach? What, what about me? And that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. The majority of the time you're playing ball, that's not, that's not what it's about. But for this little window of time, we focus so much on you individual and your exposure. That's yeah. good stuff. Yeah, I wanted to highlight that. That's good stuff. There's lots of um, teams, you know, in the summer, lots of travel teams that, you know, they might have 18 guys that are going division one, but maybe they're not winning as many games as they could with mm -hmm. their potential. And I think that it's, it could be because you've got 18 guys, you know, it's one versus one versus one versus 18 guys is working to one goal. Right. Because at and the end know, of the day, it's a team sport. Absolutely. Yeah. And you want that exposure. Well, where do you see the most scouts at, at a, uh, a tournament in the championship game? And so yeah. if you want to get yeah. that exposure, then win as a team. Mm. Um, and so I think that in the, in the long run, my exposure or your exposure is going to be better if your team is, is getting getting better. Look at the difference. I mean, just to stay, to stay on this point a second, look at the difference in the way, and you got a chance to experience this on a, uh, on a district level two years in a row, and, and, and this feel, the difference in the feel. I mean, because you also were on a travel team that won tournaments as well. Mm -hmm. So you had several tournaments that you won as, as a travel team member. And then in high school, you got a chance to win two sectionals and two districts uh, three TVC you know, titles, but as, as the stakes get higher, it gets a little bit more, a little more emotional. Mm -hmm. So how different did it feel winning the high school district championship versus winning the pastime hmm. travel tournament? Good question. Yeah. That, that you guys won as a 16 U team also. Yeah. I think, um, with the culture of travel ball, like I said, it's it's more 16 guys or 18 guys um, trying to get themselves out there versus their yeah. team. Um, maybe it's because in high school, it's an entire season working towards one goal mm -hmm. versus, you know, like I said, travel ball is, uh, you know, you lose Saturday, who cares, go back the got next weekend. One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got another chance. Um, that could be it, but the, um, yeah, the, the, it was such a different feeling winning the district even though it wasn't the the end goal um being well the end right. goal being the you know the state championship or whatever but uh it, it felt it felt a lot more satisfying um i think maybe because you knew that there was a lot of work going into it and you know yeah. that you're with your um with, with your, your team yeah, and your brothers you've grown up with yeah, yeah versus you know you win the pastime it's cool we got a t-shirt let's go out to eat and right. that's it really. i'll tell you another another huge aspect of it too is the community you know mm -hmm. When you win that district tournament, you had a couple thousand people there, um, yeah. you know, during the game, after the game, taking pictures with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are, the, and, and that's, so that is more like the college ball feel. That's, yeah. that, that's, you're going to feel that, that type of experience more 
when you get when you get to college. Mm. And so yeah, that's good stuff. You staying on the recruiting um, um, talk for a second. What do you think was one of the hardest things about the recruiting process? I mean, was there anything that you didn't expect or things that you may have been surprised about that 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 caught you by surprise? Um, well, yeah, obviously, you know, it's it's really tough to uh, decide the next four years of your life. Um, and I like to look at it as would I be going here for school if I wasn't playing baseball? Um, but hold hold your thought. I want to I want to capital. I want to highlight that. Pause it. Everybody, listen to this. Hear it again. The question you need to ask yourself as you're being recruited is. Would I want to go to school here if I were not playing baseball? Such a good question to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know you're you're going to decide your next four years of your life, and once you get there, um, you're working towards a goal for the rest of your life after school. And you know if you're fortunate enough to to play after school, that's cool. But chances are you're probably not going to play after school. Um, you know, it's such a small yeah. amount of people. Look how excited everybody play. is about one guy. Yeah, the in first the last guy. How many the, years? The first guy in the um, Great Midwest uh, Athletic Conference to go to the twenty-five uh, man roster in the MLB. Yeah, in the MLB. And there, there have been a lot more go to the, pro, yeah, minor yeah. league and everything. But, but um, you know, that's yeah. one guy out of yeah, yeah, of eight or nine schools. Um, and so, for me, it was it was because my love for baseball. It was tough to decide where I wanted to go to school versus mm. where I wanted to mm. go play baseball. Um, just because I needed to focus more on, okay, this is what I'm gonna do to prepare myself for the rest of my life. Um, also in advance, or also um, in addition, I've got four more years to play baseball. Right, um, and I understand some of that is out of your hands too because some schools you may, I mean, if you if you really wanna play ball and you obviously want to go to a school that you like, that you have, that has your major. Um, you got to decide also because some schools that you may that may be higher on your list, they may not be wanting you. They may not be recruiting you. Yeah. They may not need a catcher in this class, or they may not. They may not be looking at you while other schools are looking at you. And so those are all things you have to navigate through mm-hmm. as well and think about. I know you had to think through some of those too. Yeah. So some of the schools that. Um, you know, you might be good enough to go to the school, but they might not need your position at that point. Um, and that's, you know, that's just unfortunate, mm-hmm. um, like you're saying. But, yeah, it's it's tough. But um, the school part, I think, needs to outweigh mm-hmm. the, uh, the baseball part. You know, as much as you love baseball, um, focus on the school part and baseball as an addition or whatever your sport uh, may be. Um, there's lots of guys... A um, few guys that I know that would say, uh, "I'm gonna go here just to play baseball," and unfortunately, fortunately, most of those guys ended up dropping out, transferring. Mm, that's a good point. Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, some people will just go to a school because they want to play baseball and they love the game that much, and they make it their four years, and sure. that's great. Um, but lots of you know, focus on the school, yeah. and that was that was tough for me, um, be, being a very baseball first guy. Uh, that uh, I had to focus on school instead. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you see it every day, though. Professional athletes that retire early, or even you know when they retire, they 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 have a a plan B. They have something that they can fall back on, and that you know that starts at their their college education. And I know when you know, like in the NFL and, and Major League Baseball, when rookies 
come in the league. They go to these uh, seminars and things like that. You know, they they teach them how to handle their money and and so forth and so forth. But they they talk about you know how you handle yourself and how you prepare for life after the sport that you mm-hmm. play. And the that's I mean the biggest part of that is is your education. That's going to you know give you an opportunity to to have that safety net more than anything else would. That's Absolutely, a, that's a great point. Absolutely. Well, let's go back to youth ball because we got just a few minutes left here. I mean, we could, we could hold hold on to Brock, but I know you got a got another appointment you got to make it to here in a little bit. But when you look back at growing up, so you you you've you've played, and I've talked about this a little bit on previous episodes, also that that you have had the opportunity to play. You and Kaylee both, your sister Kaylee, played recreational ball here in the Athens Sandlot. And then you transitioned from recreational ball to sort of a travel rec hybrid in the Athens Attack program that we created when you were what thirteen, so thirteen and fourteen, mm-hmm. you. And then um, comes come you know then comes along your fifteen u year, and we had the added dynamic also of the fact that that I was actually coaching those travel those summer teams, and of course on those summer teams we had nine kids that that were coming into our high school program as 15 year olds and as a, an Ohio high school athletic association coach, paid or volunteer it doesn't matter if you have any contact at all with 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 athletes on a team as a in a coaching role, then you're you're not permitted to coach more than four players at a time throughout the summer, unless you stay within a 10, a 10 date range, then you can have as much time as you want or as many players as you want within 10 days. You only have 10 days in the months of June and July. And so when we got to that point, we basically said, hey, we've got to either disband this this thing. Somebody either, either somebody else has to coach, we have to disband this thing, or all of you, you know, and you all need to go find new teams. And that's kind of the direction that we went for, for a couple of reasons was one, you know, we, yeah, we, a lot of guys on the team, um, you know, they need, we need, we all needed challenge to compete for a spot. We, everybody, we only had like 11 guys on the team and they were all kind of, you know, in their role and, and had it solidified. So if you go and you try out for another travel team, then you've got to kind of compete a little bit. And I knew that would make us better as high school players. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a popular decision among, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't a popular decision among my friends who were, you know, parents of the other players as well. Um, and, and we all missed it. We missed being together, you know, but, uh, but part of that decision was also me knowing that as a high school coach, that if they were challenged, if they did go out and meet this challenge of trying out for other teams and happen to compete for a spot, then that would just actually make them better, sure. you know, when they came back and played in high school. And that's just a philosophy that I had. It may not be everybody's philosophy. And as, they, may, as I played throughout the year, they, they knew that someone was behind them that could take their spot. Exactly. You know, exactly. You know, so, so yeah, that, that but that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the uh, high level view of, of the, the step-by-step process that you took um, Brock. But when you look back at, um, at, at, at youth baseball, what do you think are some of the, um, um, what are some of those, um, youth memories, I guess, some of the important benchmarks or important focal points that as you look back on it, these were, these were important moments in my youth playing experience. And when I say youth, I'm talking from seven U all the way up to 18 U. Um, yeah, this was, um, you know, you asked me this question, uh, last night and I was trying to think about it. You know, this was actually the toughest question, uh, (laughs) for me to answer. Um, you know, 
there's few events that you know stick out to me um, as maybe the most memorable. Um, you know, it's you know we were fortunate enough to win quite a few uh, championships. You know, get quite a few trophies. But you know, where are those trophies now? We don't we don't have any of them. It might be in our garage or whatever. But um, we you know, we've actually be... tried to find places to put. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there's a our my my ten year well he's not ten he's he's nine and his his summer league team finished second in the league, and they they gave him the trophy the other day and that trophy is setting on our dining room table and i actually took a picture of it last saturday as a little little experiment i'm going to see how long it lasts how long it sets <laughs> on that dining room table until he takes it into his room it'll so, be until yeah. your wife gets tired of seeing it probably there. yeah but great great point brock i'm glad you brought yeah, that up yeah. those, those things don't mean much when, you know at the end of the day so go yeah. ahead and finish yeah, your thoughts um, sir. you know there's there's um i was just trying to think hard and hard you know was there a specific tournament? Was there a like specific, you know, home run? Um, but you know, there's there's two events that I actually remember, and it was funny because they neither of them had to do with baseball. Um, you know, we were there for a baseball tournament, but it was the kids being kids mm. that as what made it fun. You know, we were there for baseball, but um, you know, there's a spe- there first one was uh, we're up in Finley, and um, we had just finished a game or it had gotten rained out and uh you know we were just out in the pool having fun all of a sudden a tornado comes through i don't know if you remember <laughs> I, yeah, this I do remember it's that. kind of a funny story a tornado <laughs> yes. comes through you know we're playing in the pool um parents are playing cornhole it was one of those fun. pools that was half outside yeah, half, half inside, inside the half hotel outside. Yeah, yeah yeah so you know you couldn't get struck by lightning if you're inside and so <laughs> we were, uh, just swim underneath the yeah. little <laughs> the little mat so we were you know there's a tornado um we we're like there's no way we're getting these games in so you know we were just being kids then you know we weren't thinking about baseball but we were there with our our baseball team and so that's what it made um made it a memory another one uh was uh we were in columbus and all of a sudden a just torrential downpour comes down and and you know hail and um at that time they'd only had four fields that were turf and so they had to try to get all those games in on the turf um on those four fields and we were scheduled to play at I think, what midnight maybe, oh, yeah. and it got pushed back to yes. two in the morning. Now, how, how old? Do you remember how old you were? I think I was twelve or thirteen. It was, I think it was it was twelve U year, and this was a nation's you know one of those state tournaments you know yeah, and, and, and eighty some teams I think in this particular division and they had to get another they had to, I think they had to get another forty games in, and they only had four fields to do it on. Wow. Well, you had to take games, all-day games on 32 fields and, and put those on four, four fields, fields and try to get them in. And so I think it's going on 2 in the morning, and we're warming up. And all of a sudden, the umpires are like, no, nah, we're not doing this. Yeah. So they're like, all right, you guys can play. We were so you guys thankful can play for those at, officials. Yeah, you can play at 7 a.m. Like, so Until they said that. <laughs> yeah, we're like, Dang. Yeah. This sounds like co-ed softball. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but, you know, it's funny. Do you remember, did we win that game? I don't even know. Huh. Yeah, and so it's funny that you ask, you know, I've played hundreds and hundreds of games um, in my 20 years of being alive, and uh, it's funny that the two memories that stand out to me don't have anything to do with baseball, but it's with my teammates and the baseball friends that are there. And, um, you know, I think about the uh, your your article you wrote about um, just having fun. Fundamentals. Then, yeah. yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, maybe focus on in the enjoyment of the game and having fun with the game 
versus you know yelling at your 12 year old kid to yeah. get his glove down you know because you're not perfect why do you expect him to be perfect yeah I, and, you know i think a point of that article too was kind of going back to something we talked about a minute ago if you if you work on the fun and you, you know you, no one thinks about passion as a skill or as a as, as something that you develop but i i've i've said for a couple of years now that the the greatest thing that we can do for our kids is, is help them love the things that they do mm-hmm. and if, if if you can develop passion in a kid they're going to get to college and, and be willing to do what it takes to be able to play the game. You know, we worry about how they feel and their, their swing yeah. mechanics and yeah. things like that. Help them to have fun. Yeah. It's important to, you know, it's obviously important to have a foundation of, of your fundamentals and everything. But if you teach the kid to love the game and to have fun with that game, then that's going to help him so much more in the years mm-hmm. coming than uh, yelling at him to get his glove down and ground ball. That's a great point. They're going to want to keep playing. Yeah. They're going to, you'll, you'll run into the kid that every now and then, the one anomaly kid that, you know, gets 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 uh, yelled at all the time, you know, about everything he's done wrong, even things he's done right, gets critiqued in, in a negative way. And that kid makes it through. I've seen it. I've seen that happen. You know, you see, you'll see those kids and they, and they go ahead and play just because one, they, they personally actually love the game mm-hmm. despite what dad or coach right. has been doing, you know, to them uh, throughout their years. But, but those kids that don't, that, that, that are developing a love for it, that love isn't going to develop if, if you don't provide the enjoyment aspect. It's right. such a great, so, so in many ways that the kinds of things that, you know, the coach that, that wrote you that text that you read at the beginning, the kinds of transitions that he's making into helping help bring more enjoyment into what he's doing. Cause I'm guessing that sounded like a football coach. He said water breaks. I'll, I'll divulge it. It was a I think football it was, coach. So, okay. <laughs> so, well, which is really cool because he's listening to a podcast that where we spend 90% of our time talking about baseball or softball. But as we, as you can tell, it applies to more to, to athletics across the board, what right. we're talking about. Absolutely. But uh, I love the fact that, that, in listening to two episodes, basically what, what he's gained from that is I've got to figure out ways to make this more enjoyable because that's, what's going to create the longevity mm-hmm. for these kids, these youth players that, that I'm coaching. If we want them to play in high school and continue playing, this is part of my role now is right. to help do this. You know, it's just like anything else too, because different kids develop that love at different times. We mm-hmm. actually, I, I never mentioned it because it would kind of ruin the tone of my article if, if I did, but there was one kid that he had a lot of fun but at the same time, he, he actually said some things that led you to believe he was disappointed that it, he didn't have one coach that was focused on, you know, pushing them to, mm. to, to play harder, to play better. Yeah. And, and, and this is a kid that, that... That would have been me. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Well, I can I did, yeah, right. I wanted to have fun. By, by gosh, I wanted to win. Sure. And the, and uh, this kid uh, does want to win. Yeah. I mean, he, he shows it in rec ball and summer yeah. league and these tournaments we go to. He, he's oh, yeah. out there to it win. It would not have been fun to me. Yeah. To, to mm-hmm. some kids, it's okay. Yeah. Some kids, they can handle it. I mean, it's just fun. It's more. It's more about the community and being part. The community aspect and being part of your friends and everything. And that's that's what energizes you. That's part of what energized me as a player. But for the most part, we we you better be doing your best. Yeah. Because I'm gonna kick I'm gonna kick you in the rear end until you do because we're gonna win this game. Too. I hear you. And that's the challenge of coaching. It you is. have to you have to approach the game with different kids in different ways. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. makes it fun. Yeah, I know that happened with you a little bit too, and sometimes mm-hmm. Brock. Yeah. yeah. Well, right, let me ask you this: just maybe one last question, because I think we got through a lot of the questions that we wanted yeah, to ask. Yeah, but you know, right now you're as a as a junior in college, so you're still playing, but you're in kind of an interesting 
moment in your life where you're also transitioning into coaching a little bit. Mm -hmm. You got a chance to coach an 11U travel team. That's also kind of, it's kind of like a lot like the team that you have, Pat, where a lot of these kids go to the same school district. So they're very, they're, they're, they're friends. I mean, there's some that from different school districts, but for the most part there, it's, it's, he, it's run more like a, a local travel team, I will say. And, and there, there were 12 U's, right? 12 U's. So 11 U last year where you helped with them. And then this year you had more of a role as, Mm -hmm. as, as a co-coach. Um, so we've talked a little bit about fun. We've talked a little bit about instilling the fundamentals into them, you know, being, being hard on kids as well as, as well as, as knowing when to, uh, to, to extend grace. Mm -hmm. What do you think right now? What, what have you taken from your own experience as a player and now thinking about coaching, transitioning that into coaching from the various coaches that you've had as well? What are the most important things we should be instilling into young players that that you've actually been doing to your 12 year olds? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, because I feel like, you know, hopefully I could have taught those kids a few things, but I learned mm. so much from those kids and from, from experiencing coaching. And, uh, you know, if you asked me a year ago, that's the way it works. If we had this, if we had this podcast a year ago today, I guarantee you, I wouldn't have said have fun at mm. all. Never would have said had fun. Um, it would have been ground ball after ground ball after ground ball, you know, pitch, you know, everything. Um, just baseball and you know that's I feel like what the 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 kids actually taught me and um so you know if if there's one thing like I said um there's one thing to teach those kids it was the love for the game Mm -hmm. and uh to use the team I coached this year for an example we weren't the greatest uh we didn't have a winning record but um you know I think that so our last tournament of the year um everybody went stayed in a hotel uh, the t- hotel actually had a huge water park. Um, so, you know, the kids are having fun and everything. Uh, we actually ended up winning that last tournament. But the way, cool. that, the way that those kids played the last tournament, they looked like a completely different team. And I think, you know, looking back, maybe that enjoyment they were having transferred over to the field. Mm. You know, they were playing better because they were having fun and they were enjoying it, you know, on the field and off the field. And um, for each other. Yeah, and yeah. for each other, yeah. And, um, you know, you'll have, like you said, you'll have some guys that are different, like, um, you know, like Cousin Gavin. He mm-hmm. was he wouldn't have fun unless he was playing good. You know, he's having, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's yeah. very, very competitive, which is great to see in him. But um, then there's other kids that they wouldn't, they would mope around if they weren't having fun. You know, they, they wouldn't enjoy it if they weren't having fun. And so, you know, that's where I kind of, learned and kind of changed where you know instead of when to have fun have fun to win and mm. um you know well, that, that kind of and that becomes a yeah and and what you're saying too is is i i know what you're saying is a lot of that change in mindset of how you coach is a, is a change in your approach yes yeah right because if i were to ask you you know you mentioned what's more important to get you know to hit them, make sure every kid gets 40 ground balls in practice, make sure they're having fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that there are probably people listening to say and saying, you got to hit them 40 ground balls. And, and you're not saying don't do that. Yeah. Because it's, it's not either or, but the, it's the approach of how can we make sure mm-hmm. that 
we're doing this in a way that they're experience that they're enjoy that they're enjoying it. Yeah, it's not hit the kid ground balls and say, "Are you having fun?" If he's not, let him go. It's it's make it right. It's yeah, it's right. coach him in a way that makes it yeah. fun for him and yeah. it adapts because they him. need the ground balls. Yeah, yeah. In the same gotta way that do, they need, you got to have fun. the fundamentals yeah. and have to have that yeah. that that baseline. Yeah, but you know, enjoy it. Well, you're learning something at 20 years old that I learned at 44. <laughs> so, well, you may have learned a little sooner than that, but. I'm telling you uh, now, 36. It, by his junior <laughs> year of, of high school was was when I first started feeling like I I started to understand what coaching was about. Yeah. So, well, Brock, it's been great having you on. I want to make sure that Pat gets a chance to ask anything or say anything else, but also want to make sure that you get a chance to say anything else that you'd like to say before we uh, before we close this thing out today. I'm good, Brock. I really appreciate you coming on. You yeah, thanks. Anything? Thanks for having me. Hopefully, I could uh, spread a little bit of knowledge of what I got, but. Uh, yeah, have some fun. Go Battlers, right? Yeah, go Battlers. Wait a minute, what's a Battler? I don't even know. Come on. Oh, you got to find that out. <laughs> what, well, what's your mascot's well, say, name? Uh, what's his name? Skirmish. Skirmish. So it's, uh, They say it's it's just basically a, a, a soldier in the Civil War, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. actually, fun fact, Philippi was the first land battle um, in the Civil War. And some are not, it's not listed in some histories. Yeah of being a battle started, because it was started with an accidental shot because it wasn't really huge but they they call it a skirmish, skirmish. Oh, interesting. and so skirmish is the uh, alderson broadest battlers uh his name mascot he's pretty cool looking Very character nice. too mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it, it's not a it's not a wimpy looking uh, mascot it's, i it's like a, it it's a man mascot. i like it yeah <laughs> that's right so well, hey, thanks. good luck this season bro yeah, absolutely you.